0: word all right these are some of the bibles that i have at my house uh let me see this one is one from when i was in high school this is a bible that angela and i have together as a no that's the couple bible this is angela's bible uh from back in the day this is my bible from when i was like in elementary school so like year four year five year six it helped me learn the bible because i had the little tabs on the side that's where the books were at so this one's been really used because you know that's what we kids do we use and abuse things uh this is another one this was a graduation gift from high school or gymnasium from a, a, a pastor this is a, another this is a swedish bible that Angel and i were given for our uh, as a wedding gift and then i just have another bible and then I also have this Bible. You know, there's so many more translations on this thing than I have even just here. But we have Bibles, right? So, How, how many of you have like a, a hard copy Bible? All right. I think everybody is put their hand up. We all, for the most part, the Bible is the most accessible book in the entire world. No other book has surpassed the Bible
1: in printed copy than one. Anybody want to guess? Probably heard it before. Yes, the IKEA
0: catalog has surpassed in the last few years the amount of printed, doc, bio, printed books. It has surpassed the Bible. But you know, what do you expect when you show up to IKEA and there's a bin of catalogs that are just sitting there? So, but it's the most widely printed document. Yet, so many of us fail, or just not fail, but we just don't realize the significance of it. We don't understand the story of what the Bible is. And if, and if today we're going to talk about what is the Bible, my thought is, if you don't know the story of the Bible, then it's easy to discount the stories
1: of the Bible.
0: We as a church, we're going to spend this year really building ourselves and who we are as, not just as a church. I'm not, this year is not a, we're going to reach a hundred people. We love that. But our desire is as a leadership team that you grow. That when you come around this time next year, you're able to look in that rear view mirror or even just turn around and go, wow, look at the growth. Look at the process that I have experienced in my life. Sometimes we as adults, we look at us and go, I I look at myself in the mirror and go, I really don't feel like I've aged that much. I have not really changed in the last 20 years. Yes, I'm 40. So I haven't really changed in that. But I look at my daughter, holy buckets, in the last six months, she has really changed. I look at my three-year-old son. He hasn't changed a ton in the last six months. But his vocabulary has really shifted in the last two or three months where it's gone from a lot of English to now it's like predominantly Swedish that he's speaking at home. Just a real big shift. But we as adults, we often see that in people that are younger than us. We see the change. The only change we really see as adults is when those wrinkles start showing up or those gray hairs start coming around. And then we start, then we start who, who then we start getting that that dye and coloring coloring everything, right? Or we put the, the creams on. L- last year my wife bought me this, this anti-aging cream. I'm like, why do I need this? She's like, well, you're getting older. I know, but I so? She's like, you gotta have good skin okay, if that's what you want. That's, that's what you want. But we, we notice those changes. But this year as a church, we want to notice the changes in ourselves as individuals, like we notice the changes in our, in these kids. That is, wow, just six months. Look at that change. Look at that difference. And so we're going to get back to the basics. We're going to start at the foundation and go from there. In 1961, there was this coach of, a, of an American football team named Vince Lombardi. Has anyone heard of him before? Well, of course you have. Uh, her husband is a, an American football coach. This gentleman, Vince Lombardi, was, turned out to be a fantastic coach in the American Football League he brought in a football to the very first practice in in 1961 and he said gentlemen what is this they're like well coach duh it's a football he's like yes that's right it is a football now open up your playbooks cuz they were all given like you know a manual of of the things that they're going to do he said turn open to page 1 because we're getting back to the basics they all laughed at him come on coach We've been doing this for years. All of us have been doing this for multiple years. Why do we need to get back to the fundamentals? We know how to tackle. We know how to pass. We know how to run. We know how to do all these things. He said, because the fundamentals is where it starts. That is where we will beat the other team. Those guys laughed, but over the course of the next seven years, they worked hard. The coach worked them. The coaches worked them. And over the next seven years, They won five championships, including the first two Super Bowls that the NFL put on. And in those
1: seven years, they did not lose a playoff game. Nine and O. Why? Because great foundations are built from great fundamentals.
0: And if we really want to know who God is, and if we really want to grow, this is the foundation. This is the fundamental that needs to be a part of our life. So what is the Bible? Let's, let's dive into that. Today, I'm going to talk more the, the, the idea of what is the Bible and what it is not. Next week, we're going to get really practical. So next week is not a spiritual of sorts lesson next week is the history the idea how it came together cuz how many of you know how these
1: how this came together anybody know yes a few but it's a good idea for us to know what how did this come together
0: how did all of this come to be so today what we're talking about three things the bible is and then three things the bible is not are you with me this morning yeah let's pray father Speak to us today about what your word says and how it can build our lives.
1: We thank you, Jesus. Amen. All right, so the first one is, survey says, the Bible is the word of God. If we go back to the
0: very beginning, if you were to open this thing up, in the very beginning it says this.
1: Sorry, I'm having fun today. In the beginning. So the the writer, who happened to be Moses, he is establishing from the very get-go, in the beginning, God. (laughs) Go backwards.
0: (laughs) It's just circulating for you. That's all right. One more back, Lucas. You're all right. You're all right. In the beginning, God, he wanted to establish who was and is and always will be. From the very
1: beginning and initial onset of even this, God. This word is about God. And his story of trying to rectify and make right the
0: consequences of the sin of man. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Next one, John 1.1. 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So we have the Old Testament in the beginning. Then in the New Testament, when the New Covenant started, we have in the beginning as well. John started off with in the beginning. So he's matching Moses, and then he's establishing in the beginning was the Word. Well, but Moses said, in the beginning, God. In
1: the beginning, the Word.
0: What we have here is the introduction of what we call the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son,
1: and God the Holy Spirit. So John is saying, in the beginning was the Word. Jesus was there. The Word
0: was with God. And the Word was God. John 1.14, the Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. So it goes on and shows, all right, I say the Word was with God, the Word was God, and He was in the beginning.
1: But who was the Word? The Word became flesh. Who became flesh? Jesus became flesh. So,
0: folks, this is not a science textbook, even though there's scientific things that derive from it. But it is a love letter It is a a book for us to know and understand who God is. In the beginning, God. In the beginning, the Word came. And He was with God in that beginning, but He also made His dwelling amongst us. That is the Word. The more that we get to know the the Bible, the more we get to know Jesus. Because we talk about the Word, and, and this is officially called the Bible, but what do we also call it in church? The Word of God, right? And who is the Word of God? Jesus. That's what John said. So again, as we get to know this more, we get to know Jesus more. We're going to talk about it next week in the Christian scholars in, uh, I think it's like AD 100s uh, when Christian scholars were able to finally do some work, they went back into the Old Testament to the original Jewish Uh, scriptures and looked for evidence of Jesus, and they found Jesus throughout the picture and idea of who God was. Not just Yahweh, but Jesus, the the Messiah, the one who came in flesh. So they, they found that there is evidence and truth for who Jesus is long before Jesus showed up in human form. So again, it's not just about now reading the New Testament where we have the story of Jesus in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, but it's also in the Old Testament, the prophecies, and the idea of who
1: Jesus is, and the idea of who his Father is, and the love that the Father has for you and I. John
0: John 6.63 says, The Spirit gives life, the flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of spirit and life. Here this Greek translation of spirit is pneuma, meaning breath or life. So the idea is the word of Jesus, he's breathing life into us. That his spirit gives us the life. And later Jesus let the disciples know and understand that the Holy Spirit, the breath of life would be coming into them and being a
1: part of them. So Jesus' words, they're spoken with life and power. Church, when we read this Bible, whichever version you choose,
0: you are reading something that has life and power for you.
1: Not for someone else. Not for those people that experienced it in that moment. But it continues to have
0: life and power. Hebrews 4.12 says this, For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to, the divide, in, to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. The writers of Hebrew are saying these words that we have from the Lord Jesus, they're not just stories of old, but they are active and living and powerful words that you can apply to your life. They can satisfy your soul, the thirst that you have, the longings that that you have. They can bring you healing. They can bring you restoration. They can bring you a reconnection with God the Father. They are the answer to the burning questions of your soul.
1: That is the Word of God. The Bible is not just information, but revelation.
0: This is not just a book that we get to check out from the library and read and enjoy, but this is a book that we can continue to devour and read and read and read and read and read. read. My grandparents are 80 plus years old, but my grandma says the word of God is alive to her every single morning. When I was there last spring to do some itineration to try to raise funds for what we're doing here, I sat down with them for several mornings because I stayed at their house. We had Bibles. It was Bibles and bananas. That's what my grandma called it. Bibles and bananas. We sat down, we got out our
1: Bible, and we ate a banana while reading the Bible because it was a habit, and coffee, and coffee, because it's a habit. They created a habit for themselves,
0: a routine. Why? Because they knew the Word of God was the bread of life. It was something that they should nourish on and devour every single day. The Bible is not just information, but revelation. It reveals who Jesus is. It reveals who the Holy Spirit is. It reveals who God the Father is. It reveals what he is like. It reveals how he works, how he speaks, how he thinks, how he loves us. If you don't, if you, uh, like me, I have said, I can't hear the voice of God, then let's just grab this word and let's start reading the words. Maybe read them out loud so you can hear the voice of God coming out of your mouth because this is the voice of God.
1: Number two, the Bible is the story of God. Some tidbits, some facts, some information to wow you. The next screen.
0: The Bible is made up of 66 books from 39 different authors written on three different continents over the course of 1,500 years. It's made up of poems, history, songs, letters, prophecy, and 43% of it is narrative. It's crazy how diverse this word is. Written by 39 different individuals. Yet it all shows and reflects the exact same story. Yes, there's this rabbit trail here, and there's this byline here, and there's this subplot there. Just like any, any movie, there's the overarching theme. Like, let's go with Marvel, you know, uh, Avengers, and there are 29 different movies, just of the Avengers alone. There's the one overarching plot. There's this bad guy, Thanos, going to come, destroy the world. We got to fix it, right? But within that story is a lot of other subplots. Even in the last movie, you know, one person giving their life for the sake of the cause. Love stories and people getting back into the fight. So even though there's 39 different authors, it's one overarching story of God. Narrative is also a powerful form of communication. If you do some studying on it, scientists say it is the most powerful form of written communication that there is because it engages the reader in the process of what is going on and it helps you
1: feel like you're involved and part of the story. So this is one story. It's God's story. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God formed the earth. God
0: created stars in the sky, and then he they made the actual ground and, and separated the ground and the waters, and he made the, the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and the, the animals on the ground. Then he made man man and woman and looked at it and said, hey, let's have this relationship. I made you in my image because I want to have a relationship with you. But then man, and he says, there's no rules. There's only one thing I ask that you don't do. You can eat from anything in the world, garden but one tree don't 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 eat from that one tree yet you know it's like telling a kid don't touch that wall of fresh paint." And okay i'm gonna go touch it for whatever reason they did it they made that choice so after that moment it set the domino into effect of god doing the most ungodly Thing possible beginning to work against the consequences of man man's choice to distance themselves from him there's no other narrative written in the entire world uh, uh, from any other religion where a god would go against and try to rectify the situation all the other stories are about well it's your consequence you made the choice you fix it creation God said, no, I want to intervene and do my best. I've given them the choice, but I'm going to continue to give them a choice and make it possible for them to still choose me. The more the story gets inside of you, the more the words will mean to you. Yet we go sometimes, well, the word of God is not always relevant to me. What about this passage what about that passage what about the passage in it's up here leviticus 19:28? sorry megan do not cut your bodies for the dead or put tattoo marks on yourselves i am the lord well what about that megan Kean. my wife wants to get one there's other people that i'm sure in here that probably have a tattoo i just don't know about it what about that We're not,
1: right? Let's look at it. We shouldn't do that, right? But what's the context? What's the reason
0: why it is sitting in there? So often we like to pull out a piece of Scripture and say, here is a reason for something we should not be doing. What would be like pulling out a a, piece? one line from from a Harry Potter book and say, see, this is how the book turns
1: out. There's how many movies? Books? Nine? 27? There's there's a lot. But it's like, if
0: we just pull one line from it and say, no, this is how it is. So if we look at the context from this, what what this entire story encases or this Scripture encases, it, there was a culture, a pagan culture, meaning people that didn't follow after God, Yahweh, in that time, a pagan culture of piercing. So it's not just about tattoos, piercing. cut your that, That's what cut your body. So anybody with earrings or other kind of piercings, you're in this group too, okay? A lot of you ladies, some of you guys. But the culture of the pagan, the pagan culture was that they would, pierce and tattoo themselves
1: to worship dead people and create them as gods god in this
0: part of the bible is saying children you are my children and i want you to be different than everybody else I don't want you to look like them or follow after them because if you do that, you will just be like them and they will say, why do we need to follow Yahweh when it's just the exact same except your God's called something different than our God. God wanted to set His people apart. So then next time someone says, well, we shouldn't get tattoos or body piercings, then go, okay, then you should not be eating meat with blood. Some people like rare steaks. My uh, friend from Bible College, he's a pastor in Minnesota now, but we were in rural North Dakota. There was one stoplight, and it just flashed for three years. Finally, my fourth year of college, it actually worked red, yellow, green, uh, But because it was on a highway. But he worked at the cafe, the restaurant there. He said there was this farmer guy that liked to come in and says, I want just the cold steak. And My friend Chad, he said, well, legally we can't do that. This is what we have to do. We have to put it on the grill, six seconds on one side, flip it over, six seconds on the other side, then we can give it to you. If we take the Bible literally, in that instance a moment, just in verse 26, so two verses ahead, it says, don't eat meat with blood in it. Well, from them, that was because there's no refrigeration. They had no idea what refrigeration was. And it was an, for God, it was an idea of safety and keeping people healthy. But then we can go also go a few more verses back from that. In verse 18, it says this. Okay, so let's, let's be okay with this. But if we back it up even more, it says we should not be wearing clothes made of multiple uh, fabrics, materials. So there goes our cotton polyester. There goes my cotton elastic pants. You know, everything's going to be like tight now because once it shrinks, cotton shrinks it. You know, no more elasticity. We have to look at the cultural reasons. We have to look at the, the context of our scriptures. So we can't just pull things
1: out and justify as a means for our behavior or someone else's behavior. There's always a context for this. God in those
0: moments was wanting his people to be separated, to be unique,
1: to be his people, not to be just like some other persons. God. So the Bible is the word of
0: God, the Bible is the story of God, the Bible is real and relevant.
1: The Bible doesn't shy away from the highs and lows of the human emotion. We see in Psalms Uh, 42
0: 11, David said, why my soul are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? David was real
1: about the emotions that he felt. He was honest about what he was experiencing. And then he goes, so I'm downcast and disturbed. Put your hope in God. For I will yet praise him, my Savior, my God. Sometimes we have to speak to the
0: emotions that we feel. We're going to be talking about that later on this year, about
1: speaking to the voices that we feel and we hear. But the Bible doesn't shy away from these highs and lows. In all reality, this, the Bible is not perfect at all. Meaning. There's only one character that did not make a mistake in the entire book. Jesus. The rest of the Bible was filled with screw ups and mess ups, break ups,
0: heartbreaks, destruction, and death. I heard a great message this week from one of our great friends, Ruth Hessegriant I was at a conference, and in Hebrews 11, it talks and 12, it talks about the heroes of faith named Moses and Noah and Sarah and David. They're great heroes, people that are up in heaven admonishing you and I on in our faith. But yet if you, we put heroes, but if you also look on the other side of who they were, Noah getting fresh off the the boat, off the ark, flashed people, was nude when he shouldn't have been. Moses messed up a lot of times. He killed an Egyptian and ran away and only came back when God told him to go, back, to go back. It's like he was escaping consequences. And then in the midst of that, Moses, when God says, speak to a rock so water can come out of it and, and give water to the entire uh, tribe of Israel, he hit it with a stick instead.
1: Yet, he's a great hero of our faith. He also didn't trust God to provide different things. Abraham,
0: the father of the children of Israel, is a hero of faith, but yet he didn't trust God to provide a son for him, so he tried to did it on his own. Sarah, his wife, also didn't trust God in that when God spoke to her, so she tried to produce it on her own as well.
1: So there's a lot of mess ups and mistakes in this Bible. That's why it's real and relevant. Romans 12.2 says, says this, Do not conform to the pattern of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Guess what science this is? Neuroplasticity.
0: Science is discovering now that neuroplasticity, also known as neuroplast- neuroplasticity, oh, I wrote it wrong, So neuroplasticity or brain plasticity is the ability of neural networks in the brain to change through growth and reorganization. It is when the brain is rewired to function in some way that differs from how it previously functioned.
1: Do not conform to the pattern, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The Bible is not relevant. Yes, it is. The Bible is ahead of the science. Science is just confirming what Romans 12 says, that we can renew, we can change the thought processes, we can change the patterns of our brains. The Bible also talks about equality and justice. The book, I believe it's the book of
0: Luke, is heavily focused on women and the outcasts of
1: society. Why? Because Luke wanted to focus on that aspect and bring to life that Jesus was for those folks because they were also looked
0: down upon. Even in Genesis 1.26... Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all wild animals, over all creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created
1: them. If you take this verse for what it is, Just that God created us to rule over things. God has already
0: given you and I purpose. He has given us dignity. How how so, Pastor Brandon? God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. You and I have the image. We bear God's likeness and resemblance. We have dignity. Not just man, but male and female, He created them. God established from the beginning that He loves both genders. That there is none that is higher than the other. Jesus points out in in the New Testament, we see Jesus coming to the aid and defense of the widows and the orphans, those that were thrown out and outcasts from society. We see Jesus interacting with those individuals that were supposed to be away from everybody. The story of the woman with the issue of blood when Jesus was on his way to the synagogue leader's house to heal their daughter, which he raised her from the dead. This lady pushed through the crowd and touched the cloak of his garment and healed her. And just Jesus walking along, she touched his clothes, and she was healed in that moment. Jesus didn't turn around and go, lady, what are you doing here? You know the rules. You're supposed to be away from everybody. Because when you have an issue, the Old Testament said when you have that issue of your blood, so period, or she had probably something else going on, you were supposed to remove yourself from society for seven days until you were clean. No more stuff happening. So in all reality, she should not have been pushing her way through the crowd. That was against the law. She could have been punished by death. But Jesus did not turn
1: around and say, woman, what are you doing? He said, you are healed because of your faith. Jesus spoke to her because he loved her, cared about her.
0: So the Bible is real and relevant. He establishes our identity. He establishes our dignity from the beginning. Wow, I'm going really long today, sorry. So we'll go through these next ones a little bit quicker. What is the Bible What is the Bible not? The Bible is not a quick fix. Matthew 13, 5 through 6, Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. When, it, when the sun came up and the plants were scorched, they withered because they had no roots. A lot of times here in society, we want things to be quick and fast. You know, we have fast food restaurants. So we don't have time to sit down and eat. That sometimes this idea of quickness leads to a shallow life. Shallow relationships because we want something now. We see it in the Swedish society. If you're not serving my needs, I'm going to go find somebody else that serves my needs. We want Roy, Roy, roy's. We want rice to boil faster and faster, be ready quicker and quicker. We want the idea of Steve Rogers in Captain America, the first Captain America movie, Steve Rogers, Captain America. He was this really skinny, skinny kind of gangly looking guy, right? He had no muscles. He couldn't do anything. But then they put him in this chamber and sealed it and, you know, out, you know, big muscular man. We often want that in our life. We want to go into a secret special chamber with feeling all the problems of the world and come out and feeling big, tough, muscular, and nothing can bother us and nothing can, can do anything. We want that quick healing. We want a quick change. The only thing in the Bible that guarantees a quickness is salvation. Salvation is immediate sanctification or the process of our salvation
1: is a day-by-day transformation. Strong trees don't grow overnight, but over time. Psalms 1 through 3, I'm going to just kind of skip down to
0: verse 3. That person is, plant, is like a tree planted by streams of water which yield its fruit in season and whose leaves do not wither wherever they prosper. If you plant yourself, this verse is saying that if you meditate on the Lord and His Word, you're going to become like a strong tree planted by the water. You have that source of nutrients
1: coming by you all the time. Trees don't grow overnight, do they? They take years of development and process and pruning. I want to challenge you, church, in these coming weeks,
0: give the Lord, give the word a month and see what it does for you. Oftentimes we would just pick it up and say, God, speak to me now because I have the situation. Sometimes he does. But oftentimes we need to just make it a prolonged habit. I can't go to the gym and lose uh, 20 kilos just like that by jumping on a bicycle. Neither can we get all the answers for life's problems by picking up the Word and just reading it like that. We need to allow it to bring the nutrition and the answers day by day, moment by moment, week by week. The Bible is also not just for preachers. Believe it or not, the Bible was just given to preachers. Why? Because of the cost of, printing the, of copying the Bible it was really expensive, hand copying. So in 1450, when Gutenberg invented the printing press, the Bible then became became accessible to the everyday common individual pulpits bibles used to be chained to the pulpit sounds like a lot of ability for the pastor or the preacher to kind of manipulate the situations and take advantage of people right well good thing you have your own bible whether it's hard copy or digital you can fact check what what we talk about here on sundays you can grow for yourself as well you don't have to just wait for sunday I've thought, over the course of years, I've thought, hmm, one Sunday, I'm just going to preach something that's really weird and crazy and see how many people come up to me and say, Pastor Brandon, what you said this last week was, hmm, hmm, really weird. I did that one time in a youth group, but that was, that was fun. The kids were like, hmm. Uh. But I, I probably won't ever do that because you just never know who's here one week and then just never comes back again. But the Bible's... But we now have access to the Bibles immediately. For you, many of us, we can memorize the lyrics to songs. We can follow and understand complicated series on our Netflix or YouTube or Hulu or via play or all those different things. We can understand and memorize lines from movies, but yet we fail and we just don't devote the time to memorize the word of God. Hide the word of God in your heart that I might, help me to hide it in my heart that I might not sin against you. Is what the Bible says. Bible also says, think of those things that are pure, lovely, honest, reputable, trustworthy.
1: Those are ways to renew our mind. We got to get the Word of God inside of us so it can affect us.
0: There's also other ways that you can study. There's a QR code right here. That's the same QR code as earlier. It's our link tree. That same one from what Kian said. You can you can click on the link that's in that code system to do the the survey, then also there's another one that's called Right Now Media. It's a free resource to you from the church that has the ability for hundreds, thousands of Bible studies for you to grow in your faith, not just depend on us on Sundays to grow your faith for you, but you can take charge and grow yourself. You can play it on your phone while you're going to and from work. You can put it on your phone like I've done, sitting on top of the the range for the stove, listening to something while I'm cooking dinner. The Growing in the Word of God does not have to be sit down at a desk, do it a specific way, a specific time. But you can have it on so you just hear it and allow it to grow inside of you. Psalms 119, your word is a lamp for my feet, a light to my path. The unfolding of your words gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. How many of you feel like you're simple individuals? I do. The word of God is for us. We don't have to have a degree. We don't have to have a a doctorate in Greek or Hebrew to understand what it
1: says. It is for us. So the Bible is... Is not just for preachers. The Bible is not a quick fix. And this last one, the Bible is not a buffet. How many of you like
0: a buffet? I, my wife were here, she would raise her hand. When we were in the States, she'd love this Chinese buffet. And I did not like the buffet at all. I would say, Go, bless you. I will see you another time. <laughs> just didn't
1: like that buffet. She loved it.
0: But at buffets, what do you get to do? Survey the food, take what you want, leave what you don't, right? Can't do that with the Bible. Can't do that with the Bible.
1: <clears throat>
0: At times, it feels right <clears throat> to just pick and select. But the Word says that that habit leads to death. It says there's a way that seems right unto man, but that way eventually leads to death. Yes, the Bible says sin is fun for a season. But the season will end Yes, Lord, give me heaven. I'll take heaven. But help? No, thank you. Oh, Lord, I love your grace. I need some more grace in my life. But don't give me your truth. Oh, yeah. Let's go have relations with that other person. I don't need to wait. The Bible says a lot of things. So, time, so often, we want to pick and choose what it says and apply it to our life. The Bible also says that we should build our house on a firm foundation, on the rock. If we don't build it on the rock, when the storms come, there's there's this pastor that I follow. He went to the Holy Land and showed this imagery of a house built on top of this valley is in the little ravine that another house down there but when the rains came from the mountains it would be a flash flood that would come through and in that ravine it would wipe out what was ever in there that's the imagery that 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 Jesus is giving people would understand oh yeah just like that valley when the flash floods come If I put my house in that area where it's nice, lush and green and my sheep love to be there and it's easy to do, it's great. But when the danger comes, it comes in the blink of an eye and I am gone. Yes, it's harder putting your house up high where the rains can't get to it, the floods can't get to it because you have to dig into the rock and it's, but it's a firm foundation. It takes work, it takes effort, it takes energy to grow and to become mature followers of Jesus. But the effort is worth it. The effort I put into losing weight will eventually be worth it. Yes, the kineer bula tastes great today. But if I don't want to feel this way today, tomorrow, the effort is worth the weight. The exhaustion, the energy that I put out is worth it. Can God disagree with you? Yes, sure he can. Because he's God. Church, it's not about fitting more of God into our life, but it's about you and I giving more of ourselves to God. This is our year as a church and as individuals to give more of ourselves to him. God, I want more of you. God, I want to get into your word more because all God's promises are yes and amen. Jesus said that the power I have done all of my miracles in, you have that same power and authority. You can do greater things than I have done. Why does it have to just be Africa that sees people raised from the dead, that sees healings taking place? Why can't it be Stockholm? Why can't it be our other home countries if we're here for just a season and we go back? Why can't it be us that brings the power and the presence of the Lord? Peter and John said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ. Rise up and walk. Church, we have nothing. We are simple individuals. We are broken individuals. Peter and John were broken individuals, but what they did have was the power of Jesus Christ from their experience. How do we get that same experience? We get into the word of God. We devour it, we read it, we seek to understand it. We ask questions. We don't just sit in the back and enjoy Sunday so Monday can be better but it's like Kean said, we want Tuesday to be better. We want Wednesday to be better. We want Thursday to be better. We want Friday to be better. We want Saturday to be better. We want the next Sunday to be set up for success because of what we've experienced throughout the week. Come on, church. Jesus is not just a supplement to give you a little bit more energy. He is our savior. He is our hero. He is the one that will take your old life and give you a new one. You have to want it. It's your choice. So this year I'm going to do a better job at getting into the word of God. I invite you to join me in that journey and in that process. Let's discover who God is together. Let's ask the hard questions together. Let's wrestle those hard questions together. What is God really saying about this area of my life? What is God really saying we should be doing for the uttermost parts of society? It's like the three little pigs. Anybody, are you familiar with the story of the three little pigs? The first little pig built this house of straw big bad wolf came around, huffed and puffed and he blew it down. In Elijah's video, the pig runs to the next pig. That second pig built his house of sticks, a little more sturdier, a little bit stabler. But the big bad wolf came and he huffed and he puffed and he blew the house down. But the third pig built his house of bricks and stone. When the big bad wolf came, he huffed and he puffed and he couldn't blow the house down straw was fast quick and easy and he had his shelter and he was done sticks took a little more time you got to go find that stuff bricks mud you got to build and make and bake and put it together it takes a long process but again the energy we extend is worth the outcome Because the big bad wolf will always come. The Bible says our enemy is roaring, prowling like a roaring lion, seeking who he can devour. He will always be there. So let's take the time together in, in our groups, in our community groups, and in our Sunday service to build our foundation and to build our house so we can experience the power and the presence of God.